Bazzara takes the culture of Italian coffee overseas. A new partnership with the well-known magazine Bar Talks has been signed. Bazzara starts a new important collaboration with the independent magazine Bar Talks. The Italian coffee culture will be promoted directly by the historic roasting firm based in Trieste, through an online column. A reason for great pride, an extraordinary tradition and symbol of the, made in Italy par excellence. The history that binds Italians to coffee is long, and finds deep roots in the cultural fabric of the entire boot. The Italian coffee culture deserves to be promoted and discovered all over the world. Bazzara, historic roasting firm, founded in 1966 in Trieste, has already thought of all this, and has announced important innovations for those who are part of this sector, but also for all the fans of, the cup. The new project signed by the Bazzara team is about to kick off, a column that will be published in the well-known English magazine Bar Talks, now an independent online activity after the closure of Coffee and Cocoa International, focusing on the quality of our coffee scene. The company has always shown firm conviction and strong passion in wanting to convey all the nuances that are hidden within the universe of coffee, and today it opens its horizons, reaching out overseas. An essential and decisive turning point announced by Marco Bazzara, sensory project manager and academy director of the Bazzara Academy, one of the most renowned European academies in the wonderful Liberty Building, Casa Casab in Trieste. Marco is also co-author, together with his brother Andrea, of the well-known volume Coffee Experts, recently presented at SIGEP 2022. He will personally take care of the column, as well as the new and promising collaboration with the independent magazine Bar Talks. The importance of promoting history. This is an intuition that Franco Bazzara, president of the roasting firm, had already had a long time ago. He had indeed already been sharing extensively about the submerged world of coffee and the possibilities that this could concretely offer. We are custodians of a tradition, and each of us must keep it in mind, for those who simply drink a cup of espresso at the bar, or buy a blend at the supermarket, the coffee supply chain is probably a submerged universe. They maybe can barely glimpse some small part of a long and rather complex chain. A supply chain that deserves to be discovered, made of passion and inhabited by professionals. The partnership, already active today, sees the launch of a monthly column curated by Marco Bazzara, who will share informative content on the world of coffee. This is an excellent chance to spread the great culture of Italian espresso throughout the world. And this is precisely the objective that Bazzara aims to achieve, by sharing quality content, making a dear family passion, travel around the world, especially in the United Kingdom but also in the USA, where the magazine has a large audience. The topics treated will be of interest and suitable for insiders of the coffee chain, coffee lovers, and professionals. Nick Basket, editor-in-chief at Bar Talks, commented on the partnership. Bar Talks is proud to be working with such a prestigious company, but what really excites us is the shared passion, and romance, that our companies have with coffee. The online magazine Bar Talks, is a reference point in the UK, and not only for fans and for those who work in this world. It's a space entirely dedicated to news, events and curiosities, in the coffee sector and beyond. This is a world that certainly matches perfectly with Bazzara, which for several years has fought to create a strong network in the sector, and to expand the coffee culture. Many key issues will be addressed through curious coffee stories, information on roasting, agriculture, 
market, logistics and products. Among all of these topics, the theme of sustainability, very close to the heart of the Bazaar team, could not be missing. Attention to the environment and people are considered essential guiding principles of the Triest firm. The initiative comes forth from the corporate vision of the coffee company, which sees sustainability being a goal in itself and a modus operandi, as the cornerstone of a new business paradigm. Coffee production fell 13% in Colombia during March. Colombia is the second biggest producer of Arabica coffee and the biggest producer of washed Arabica. Global warming poses problems, as farmers have to combat many changing environmental patterns which are already altering the harvest volume, production techniques, and even the taste of coffee. Climate change causes imbalance in the seasons, prolonging both droughts and rainfalls. Whereas Brazil has been struggling with prolonged droughts, the main adversary of Colombian coffee production proved to be excessive rain, which can lead to erosion, leaching of valuable nutrients, or waterlogged roots which are prone to disease and rot. In March 2022, Colombia produced 914,060 kg bags of green coffee, down 13% from almost 1.1 million bags produced in the same month of 2021. In general, March is considered to be a month of not very large harvests, but the fact that February also showed lower numbers might be potentially problematic. According to Colombian Federacion de Cafeteros, Colombia registered in February 2022, 928,060 kg bags of green coffee produced, down 16% from 1.1 million bags produced in February 2021. This is a result of persistent unfavorable weather conditions. The Federation also reported lower figures for the whole year of 2022 thus far. Between March and January, the total production of 60 kg coffee bags was 16% lower than the amount produced in the same time period last year, dropping from 3.2 million bags to 2.7 million. Additionally, Colombian coffee production for the coffee year October 2021 to March 2022 was 18% lower than the same previous period. Colombia has also reported lower figures in the export of its coffee. March showed 1% decline in export, compared to March 2021. However, the period January to March showed that Colombia exported 10% less coffee than in the same period last year, which translates to a drop of around 400,060 kg bags. Additionally, sales of Colombian coffee abroad fell by 1% going from approximately 1.13 million bags in the same month of 2021 to 1,121,000 in the third month of this year. Many farmers are turning to other, more lucrative crops. At the same time, the country is still working hard promoting its coffee. Recently, it opened two Juan Valdez coffee shops in Qatar and Turkey. Fair Trade unveils living income reference price for Indonesian coffee. Fairtrade International has introduced a new living income reference price for coffee, sourced in Indonesia's Acha region, as part of its ongoing global effort to protect farmers from market volatility and empower them in achieving decent and sustainable livelihoods. Starting with West African Cocoa and Vanilla, the non-profit organization's Living Income Reference Price, or LIRP, is designed to precisely reflect the prices that would be required for smallholder farmers to maintain a decent standard of living, including a nutritious diet, clean water, decent housing, education, health care and other essential needs, 
plus a little extra for emergencies and savings once farm costs are covered. But whereas minimum prices and premiums are a prerequisite for fair trade certification, LIRP acts more as a reference. In the coffee sector, Colombia was the first country to have its coffee price assessed by Fair Trade International. Recently, the organization unveiled LIRP for coffee produced in the Indonesian Acer region, which is famed for its quality, low acidity, and organic production. Carla Veldhuizen van Zanten, Fair Trade International's senior advisor for sustainable livelihoods, said that farmers need to be able to rely on the price. The organization consulted with Indonesian coffee industry experts and farmers to establish a sustainable target yield and, from there, we calculated the price farmers need to receive to support sustainable farming as well as a decent living for their households. These steps were necessary as Fairtrade's research involving more than 360 farmers in the Acer region showed that, in 2020, they earned only 40% of a living income on average. Based on farm and local financial data, Fairtrade International has set the current reference price at 13,600 Indonesian rupees, 95 cents, per kilogram of coffee cherry, which translates to roughly $2.82 of green coffee per FOB contract. The organization claims this farm gate price should cover farm costs to achieve and maintain sustainable production in Acer region. This means organic production and pay a living wage to hired workers. The proposed reference price is 26% higher than the current market price for Acer coffee, which rose due to the global rise in coffee price. The price is only referential, as its name suggests, but Fairtrade is planning living income projects with coffee companies and producer organizations. The aim is to address various approaches that would lead to closing the income gap, for instance, by optimizing yields or diversifying income, as well as paying the living income reference price. Minas Jure coffee farms become carbon negative. The goal of the partner project between the Brazilian Coffee Exporters Council, CCAF, the Institute of Forest and Agricultural Management and Certification, and the University of Sao Paulo, was to measure the average amount of carbon sequestration on 40 farms in the three main coffee-producing regions in the state of Minas Gerais. The findings were positive, as the farms sequestered an average 10.5 tons of CO2 per hectare per year. In other words, the biomass of the growing coffee plants absorbed more CO2 than was produced. The world has been shifting to greener energy and greener agricultural practices for quite some time. Shade-grown coffee, which might even turn into agroforests and sanctuaries for native plants and animals, is for example one approach to more sustainable coffee production. According to research run by Brazilian Coffee Exporters Council, even traditional coffee production sequesters more CO2 than it emits greenhouse gases, GHG. Minas Gerais is the largest Brazilian coffee-producing state with 1.2 million hectares dedicated to this crop. Its three main regions are Sol do Minas, which is to the south, Cerrado, and Matas da Minas, the forests area. The project's aim was to estimate the carbon balance in these three regions by measuring the release and the sequestration 
of greenhouse gases. The project was carried out on 40 standard coffee farms across the three regions. Researchers took samples of soil and coffee trees from four pairs of farms that represent realistic production practices in the region. Professor Carlos Eduardo Cherry from the University of Sao Paulo was pleased with the results. He said, The study findings indicate that adopting good practices in coffee growing generates additional carbon sequestration, since even more CO2 is retained in the soil and in the plant than is emitted into the atmosphere compared to traditional management, which is already carbon negative. The country has already taken steps to preserve nature. Permanent preservation areas, PPAs, are natural protected areas with rigid limits of exploitation, that is, direct economic exploitation is not allowed. According to CKFES sustainability manager, Sylvia Pizel, for every hectare of coffee trees there is, on average, 50 tons of carbon stored in the form of legal reserves and PPAs. Research results showed that, when correctly done, Brazilian coffee cultivation can be a contributor to mitigation of climate change as it sequesters more carbon than the greenhouse gases it releases. Certain farms like the Terra already vowed to make their coffee productions greener and become even more carbon negative. After two frosts in 2021, some farmers see the solution in increasing the density of trees they plant. This approach can help protect the coffee trees from chilling wind around the farm, whereas the canopies within the plantation form a dome-like protection. The fact that they also sequester a significant amount of CO2 is a welcome additional benefit. Mind the flavor. Description of sensorial interactions. Flavor represents an uncharted area, where single perceptions blend in a mixture of tastes, scents and touch. It is by far the most difficult feature to assess, flavor constantly hides its secrets, so much that its definition is mostly an exclusive prerogative of the taster. It is indeed processed in its taste, tactile and aromatic components by the brain, through an integrated procedure, that gives the opportunity to define the flavor of the food or drink we are consuming. Bite by bite, sip by sip. This descriptor is to be identified in a range of alternating phenomena, continuously evolving and resulting in what is normally known as a comprehensive mouth perception. This happens because the sense of touch tends to overwhelm taste, which in turn absorbs the sense coming from the aftertaste and characterizes the personality of the flavor. The perception area is common, and in this case, the entire oral cavity participates in the identification of the perceived inputs, triggering a multi-channel integration of sensations concerning different sensorial systems. If you think about it, the mechanism triggered by flavor can slightly remind us of a firecracker box, ready to explode. Throwing a petard up in the air, means creating confusion, a deafening noise, however, limited to a defined period of time. The same thing happens to the perception of taste, we put on our tongue, an orange slice, and immediately we perceive its acidity, thus its intensity. This is an event that can be objectively defined and generally quantified. By contrast, with a box of petards, only a fuse is lit, or the well-known reaction is triggered by leaving one lit petard inside, it happens that in a matter of seconds, the content of the box starts to crackle and explode inexorably, creating confusion and in. The source of all of this is not easily definable, 
but it triggers an immediate enthusiasm in the improvised pyrotechnical experts, exactly as it happens when we taste the flavor of something we like. Flavor creates all of this in a continuum of interactions, that cannot be easily defined in a balanced way. We can only enjoy the show then, with the hope of being able to watch all its acts, without the occurrence of any particular plot twists. Although the perception of the different nuances in the mouth is not an easy task, we can try to grasp and define how the sensations show up simultaneously. This is an interesting aspect that can be analyzed by anyone, confirming the idea that flavor is an interaction of several sensorial processes. The solution is, therefore, at our fingertips if we try to break up the tasting experience into more stages. Easier said than done, but we must try to do it. In most situations, tasters move from one sensation to another to define flavor, and they think they have a clear picture of the situation. On the contrary, that creates only more confusion because of the continuous interactions occurring in the mouth. What I want to suggest is to try again to assess the same feature after some minutes, without forgetting that the assessment criteria and times, change depending on the product. If we had to choose one single food that can be easily used while conserving its preparation parameters, it is a piece of chocolate, as it would be far less difficult to break up the sensations in several tasting blocks. Choose a brand name, if possible, a bar of specialty chocolate, which shows on its label an indication of the aromatic track, and divide it into three pieces of the same size. This is an important step because the texture, together with the chewing times, has an impact on the perception. Put the first piece in your mouth, without forcing the chewing process and focusing only on the tastes. Do it again, focusing on the tactile sensations, and trying to understand how astringent it can be if you choose 100% cocoa, or acidic in the case of a 70% aromatic product. Lastly, eat the third piece, and focus only on the aromatic feature. Your brain will tend to elaborate a comprehensive sensation, including the three steps, but you must try to focus your attention on this single sensation. Only in this way can you define every feature in the best way, hoping to gain more clarity on flavor. This experiment could also be done using espresso coffee, but due to the countless steps concerning the grinding, the dosage and the percolation, it would be impossible to maintain the same extraction standard. If you failed the experiment, at least I hope you enjoyed nice chocolate. See you at the next sip. Westrock Coffee Holdings LLC announced it would merge with a special purpose acquisition company, SPAC. The company is valuing itself at about $1.2 billion. Special purpose acquisition companies, also known as SPACs, are publicly listed companies that passively hold cash. Their purpose is to acquire private companies, not to trade with ongoing operations. A SPAC exists to provide a quick way for private companies to become listed by acquiring those businesses and effectively taking them public without the headaches of running the traditional IPO process. Apart from being time-consuming and expensive, an IPO can also restrict the way the company describes itself to shareholders leading up to the public offering. It's worth noting that the listing rules exist to minimize investor risk, and some critics will argue that the risks to invest in a SPAC are therefore higher. SPACs were the rage in 2020-2021, with an incredible 621 SPACs listed, up from 165 a year earlier. 
389 of those companies had raised money in 2021. Westrock Coffee, based in Little Rock, Arkansas, serves market leaders across the retail, restaurant and food service, convenience store and travel center, hospitality industries, and many others. It provides over 20 million cups of coffee to the world daily. The gigantic brand behind the brands is now going public via this process. Scott Ford, CEO and co-founder of Westrock Coffee, stated that the new business model could be the solution to enable farmers to earn a living wage, which is according to Ford also the reason why the company was founded in the first place, while also being self-sustaining and independent of charity sums and price premiums. Ford is proud of the company's achievements, saying it delivered high-quality coffee, tea, and extracts products to the largest and most recognizable names in the world, while making a noticeable impact in the lives of our farmer partners. Riverview Acquisition, ticker code RVAC, has a market capitalization of $310 million. As part of the deal, they will raise a further $250 million in a private investment in public equity, pipe, deal. This is a mechanism where typically private equity firms can make deals to invest in public companies, which may be preferential to issuing corporate debt. Westrock Coffee is valued at $1.086 billion at $10 per share. The company expects to be profitable this year and for sales to increase more than 30% to about $960 million. The trajectory is probably not far-fetched, as the company is growing rapidly. Its 2021 revenue was 26% higher than that of 2020, with $551 million. At an annual growth rate of 21%, the company would reach $1.25 billion in 2024.